Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Today, I want to talk a little bit about an article I read in the Wall Street Journal this past week. Um, and in reading the article, I, you know, I, I, I'll walk you through how I read articles, but also I started thinking about for somebody who is not spending all day long doing financial planning, if they see this article, how might they interpret it? And ultimately, the, the article article was a survey, or the, the title of it was, survey says that you know people are, think they're going to need more money in retirement. And it basically was saying that the average retiree is now thinking that they need to have $1.25 million saved in order to retire comfortably. So when you see that, um, the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, that's that's interesting. Um, but ultimately, I want to know uh, kind of three, I always try to ask, my, ask three questions. The first is, why $1.25 million? So what are some of the assumptions that are being made um, in that in that number? And if you read all the way down to the bottom of the article, you know, someone from the, the, the survey company says, well, it's that's a number. Some might be higher, some might be lower. So that's kind of like their uh, catch-all um, saying. Um, but as, as the reader, you read that number and you're in a position, you're in one of two positions. You either have $1.25 million or more saved for retirement or are on track to have that saved for retirement, or you have less. And if you have less, the first thing that kind of goes to your mind might be a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear, a little bit of unknown, a little bit of, uh, man, I'm so screwed. I'm never going to catch up. Um, And that's, um, you know, that's, I think, part of some of what these articles are looking to generate. And that's also, as an advisor, um, what I'm trying to coach clients to minimize or try to avoid that kind of anxiety or fear uh, just because somebody else says something that may or may not pertain to your overall situation. So when it comes to, uh, you know, what are the parameters? Um, You know, you see that number, you want to ask, okay, well, you know, is the person being surveyed? Are they single? Are they married? Um, Are they still working or are they fully retired? Or they have, you know, a business that may generate some passive income in addition to, uh, you know, their investments. Do they have a pension? You know, how much are they collecting from Social Security? Uh, how long are they, you know, assuming life expectancy? So are they, you know, say making sure they have money to age 100 or, uh, or are they planning for a, a shorter uh, time frame? So, and, you know, what assumed growth rate are they assuming on their investment? So all these factors, and I understand this is a kind of a, a clickbait article with uh, not a whole lot of science to it. It's more or less a hey, we interviewed some people and this is what they said and we're going to write this article about it. So um, once again, it's not the, it's not coming from the, the Journal of fi- Financial Planning. This is an article to get you know, readers kind of somewhat engaged. So first thing you want to do is ask some of those, start thinking about some of those questions. Okay, well, that's the number, but what does that mean to me? And is that my situation or is that just a, a random number that's being generated? Um, the second thing you want to look at is the sample size. So usually when you see these articles say, you know, survey says, or, you know, most people think that blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, this survey happened to have 2,300 people surveyed. So 2,300 people 
you know, it's more than a hundred, but it's less than the 75 million baby boomers that are currently in retirement. So, um, you know, 2,300 people, my guess is they are all probably in the same uh, socioeconomic setting. So, you know, the surveyor probably was maybe down in the villages down in Florida or, you know, in Manhattan or somewhere in a in a place where they, they weren't, you know, polling people across multiple states and multiple economic regions and various cost of living situations in the country. So, you know, I think because it's the Wall Street Journal, it's probably going to skew a little bit more towards their readers, which might be slightly more affluent. Um, so that might trigger a higher number driven in the survey. So you always kind of want to look at, you know, well, who's being interviewed, how many people are being interviewed, and, you know, how much um, how much stake should I put in the, the the numbers that are coming out and how they impact me? So once again, you're living uh, in the Midwest where maybe cost of living is a little bit lower and you're reading this article and you say, I'm never going to get to $1.25 million. Um, that may not be a number that you have to worry about because if your house you know, only cost $250,000, the person answering that survey, you know, that same house, you know, put it on the East Coast might cost six or $700,000. They're obviously going to think they need more money uh, just to maintain status quo based on where they are. So first, you want to kind of get a sense of where the numbers are coming from Two, look at the, you know, the survey material. And then the last thing you want to look at is the source. Who's, who's driving this survey? And this survey happened to be you know, generated by an insurance company um, that also offers financial and investment products. So a, a survey put out by a company that sells insurance and investment products might want you to feel nervous that you have to save or invest or buy more products. So this company also offers uh, guaranteed annuities and, and uh, variable annuities and things that may have a kind of a, a, a guarantee for income or a guaranteed pool of money that you know might uh, not be subject to market gains and losses. So when insurance companies saying, you know what, everyone's going to need more money, everyone's going to need more guaranteed income, it kind of plays into um, their product suite. So, hey, we found this article, we did this survey that says everybody needs more income and you can't rely just on social security. And you have to be very cautious about market you know, volatility and retirement. The perfect thing for you is this annuity that will give you an extra two or three thousand dollars guarantee for the rest of your life. Um, you know, if you give us, you know, whatever, five hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, this article probably is written with the focus of, you know, what it's it is it's information, it's educational. Um, is it, you know. Uh, the Bible? Should you just take it up for its word? No. Um, and so, but that is, you know, ultimately when you look at who's writing these articles, you always have to ask yourself, what is the motivation behind the writer? Um, you know, are they, like I said, is there a, a possible um, a conflict or a possible mo motive to, you know, drive behaviors down, down a certain path? So, um, when we talk, when you when you're digesting financial materials, or you're reading some of these articles. Like I said, a lot of them are Reader's Digest versions. You know, they're uh, you know a couple paragraphs or maybe one page or you know kind of short one minute reads. Um, what you have to be very careful of is taking these articles as uh, uh, at, at the face value. So when I read one of these articles, I say, "Oh, that's interesting." I don't immediately then go change my behaviors or start making financial decisions based on this article. I'm going to um, read it and maybe do some fact checking or you know ask a few follow up questions. 
the also the other thing, I'm not going to read this article and then go to a cocktail party and then re uh, you know tell this exact same information as if it's a, if it's a factual uh, item to uh, another group of people because then then that might kind of skew their uh, behaviors or skew their decisions when you really haven't done your homework and kind of ties back into our discussion last time around uh, unsolicited advice or kind of you know making sure you know how you talk to other people about their money. Um, so, but basically when you read something, you have to understand that the way your mind works is that it's going to elicit feelings. So, and feelings you can't control. So you read an article like this, you might have some anxiety. You might feel elated if you have more than the number already saved. Uh, you might feel a little bit of panic. You might feel uh, concern or uh, regret, whatever it may be. Um, and those feelings then start to turn to thoughts and the thoughts could be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to work for the rest of my life, or I better crack down and really start saving, or I better ask for some help, or I better, you know, start, you know, doing my homework, whatever, whatever those thoughts are, um, uh, you know, those, those you can control. So, you know, when you read something, you necessarily can't control the initial feelings, but what you can control is the thoughts around, okay, is this an article that I want to do more research on and ask some more questions on and maybe have some dialogue with someone I trust? Or is this just, it was fun to read, but I'm going to, you know, pretty much put it to the back of my mind and never think about it ever again. So that's the point where you can control and do some practice on around, you know, digesting financial uh, media and then uh, how, how, how it kind of interpret gets into your brain. Because um, ultimately, the, the, the final thing is actions. So you read an article, you have some feelings, your feelings generate thoughts, and sometimes those thoughts turn into actions. And like I said, Sometimes the best action when reading an article like this is to delete the website and not go back to it. For others, it's to, you know, maybe schedule some time to do a little bit more homework on your retirement budget and how much you spend and how much you're likely to have saved for retirement. For others, for in certain situations, it might, you know, be more urgent and you're going to decide to take action a little sooner, a little, a little faster, you know, based on how old you are and where you are in the cycle. So <clears throat> like I said, there's, so many articles out there. Uh, various organizations need to, you know, generate content either to, you know, fill their magazines or, you know, people, like I said, they're trying to write articles so they can get some uh, exposure or awareness. Um, heck, they could be recording a podcast just to, you know, make sure people know they exist. Uh, but ultimately, you're, um, you, you know, you want to make sure the information that you're reading uh, is, uh, you know, going to be the right information for you. Um, and when it comes to retirement, there's not a, a right number or the, a, a number a number that's right for everyone, but there is a right number for you. Enjoy. I hope you enjoyed listening. And until next time, thanks. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.